This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. So let's get to work tonight. Let's go to Revelation chapter 6. And we left off last week with verse number 5, and so we want to, or, or verse number 6, Revelation 6, 6, and now we want to get into um, verse number 7. And really, verse number 8 rides along with this. And so hopefully we can uh, talk about both of these verses a little bit tonight. And again, I will tell you, and it seems as though that uh, every Wednesday night that we're talking about uh, this subject, the end time prophecies of Revelation, uh, the farther we get out into Revelation, the more complex the subject is. And I realize that. And uh, But I do pray that there's something that you will pick up on uh, from week to week. And then prayerfully, when we do it again someday, if Jesus tarries, you'll have a little bit more to lean upon. But I want to begin reading tonight in verse number 7, Revelation chapter 6. So find that place and let's start there tonight. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. Now there's there's a comma there. I don't know how you study what what how you you know the Bible teaches us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And I don't know what your method of study is. And the Bible says, search the scriptures, study the scriptures. I don't know what your method of study is. It ought to be, every one of us ought to have um, more than a um, verse of scripture that we read every day. I, I would like to encourage you all to become Bible students. Study the word, get into the word, pick a subject that um, we're not currently teaching on or preaching on and study the word uh, and grow in grace. Having said that, when you when you look at especially Revelation in that light, I look at these scriptures and these words very carefully because I want to try to get uh, the detail of what John is saying here. And there is a comma, I notice. You see the scripture, and his name that sat on him was death. There was a comma there. And hell followed him. That's an interesting statement. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. That's a huge, huge crowd of people. To kill with sword and with hunger. That's significant and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Now this is definitely talking about the fourth seal. There's seven. Something interesting here. Because in the preceding seals, and there are three before this one, in the three preceding seals, the riders of the horses are not named. 
And when I study this, I find that significant because uh, the first three are. And But here, as we get to this fourth seal and the rider of this fourth horse, he makes his entrance. This rider is named. And according to the scripture, his name is death. But I want you to notice something else here in verse 8. It does not mean that hell follows behind death. I mean, you look at that carefully. And his name that sat on him was death. These, these other writers are not named. This one is. And hell, look at this, followed with him, not behind him. Death followed with him. It walks along with him. So as I study the word, death and hell are the custodians of the bodies and the souls of those who are lost and who are killed during these terrible tribulation days. Now, at the end of the millennium, at the end of the 1,000 years, death and hell, according to the word of God, is going to give up their prisoners, and then they will face their judgment. And uh, I want to look ahead to a reference, and that is Revelation 20 and verse number 14. And the word says this, look at it carefully. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So th- this is this is incredibly important. Here, death deals with the living lost. There are going to be people saved, and I know this sounds contradictory, and I know that if you were not here when I preached the message, will there be a second chance for people to be saved after the rapture? If you were not here in that message, uh, then obviously this perhaps proposes a complexity for you, but uh, without having to re-preach that whole, whole sermon, In the tribulation, God will send two witnesses to this earth. I believe they're going to be Moses and Elijah. They are going to preach, and from their preaching, 144,000 will be saved from the 12 tribes of Judah, all Jews. From their preaching, multitudes of people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel will be saved. So there will be some people who will be saved in this horrific time, but the majority of them will not be. And so as as these horrific events unfold, death is happening everywhere on the planet. So death deals with the living lost. And hell deals with the souls of the lost. So I want you to think about that. There are going to be people that will walk in this life lost. There will, people, there will be people who will die in this world lost. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Something else is interesting here. Because under the previous, the last three previous seals, 
we see one instrument of judgment under each seal. But here, there are four instruments of judgment. And these four are the same four that God threatened Jerusalem of old with. In fact, I want to ask you to hold your place here. They will get this scripture on the screen for you quickly. Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 21. For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my four sore judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword, the famine, the noisome beast, and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. All right, so what we're reading here in Revelation is the same four judgments that God used to punish and to deal with uh, Jerusalem of old. But it doesn't stop there. Something else is interesting here. As we have just read in this verse, this, this passage also deals with famine. And this, I was thinking about this even in my preparation for this tonight. Think about it, the, the, the economic collapse that is going to take place on this earth when the rapture takes place. The tribulation begins. Think about the millions, and, and I hope that you can see the significance of this tonight. Think about the millions of farmers on this earth right now who love the Lord, who have been saved by his grace. They love the Lord, they serve the Lord, they fear the Lord, they are saved. And when the rapture takes place, if they're not already dead, the Bible says that dead in Christ will rise first. Millions upon millions of saved farmers are in the grave. Their souls in heaven, their bodies in the ground. But think about the, the, the farmers that are living, who are saved, born again, who has been transformed by, by the blood of Jesus. Think about this. When these millions of, of farmers has been raptured out of this world, think about the shortages of people that are going to be on the earth who know how to farm. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Because see, farming, or just take the thing of gardening and crops and planting fields of wheat and, and all kinds of things. You just don't walk out your back door and throw seed out on the ground. There's a lot of things to it. And you have to have the right kind of soil. You have to have the right kind of fertilizers. You have to have the right kind of equipment. You got to know how deep to plant it, how far apart to plant it. You have to know when to plant Think about all of that stuff. And when the rapture takes place and millions upon millions when you look at it from one end of the globe to the other, and farmers are caught out of this world, and they're meeting the Lord in the air at the rapture, at the judgment seat. Think about the shortages of people that this earth is going to experience that do not know how to plant crops. And now that's significant. 
When you compare the, the, the people who are totally uneducated in that line of work, those people who are left, they're going to spend more time with weapons in their hands than they are with plows and tractors. You say, where are you going with this preacher? The Bible is specifically saying that in this tribulation time, there's going to be an economic collapse. Pestilences like this world has never known or seen. We talked last week. Do you remember when the word says in Revelation 6, 6, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of penny, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. We talked about that last Wednesday night. How prices of food is going to soar through the roof. But you think about the additional impact, why that's happening, because there are not crops being planted in abundance like it may have been before the rapture. People that know how to do it, and I'm not saying all people that know how to do it, but millions of people who know how to do it will be caught away in the rapture. So you can understand the vacuum, uh, the one of the contributing factors that's going to go into this. All right, so you think about this. Go back to Revelation 6 and then notice in verse number 9 because now we get to the beginning of the fifth seal. The word says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. All right, so when when this fifth seal is opened up, the scene changes altogether here. And let me once again explain something to you. I want us to uh, hold our place here, and I want us to revert back to the Gospel of Matthew just for a minute, and I want us to uh, look at two important scriptures. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13, most of you in here tonight are well familiar with this passage of scripture. It says, ye are the salt of the earth. That's what the Lord likens us to. But if the salt has lost its savor, and picture that as table salt, just for an example tonight, just for a minute. If it's sour, if it's no good, if it's lost its savor, it doesn't have the effect on what you're trying to season, whether you're at the oven, or the stove, or whether you're at your plate, at the table. If the salt has lost its savor, and thinking of it in those terms, maybe you kind of get the idea. The word says, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. The important part of this passage is this, that the word likens us to salt. And the word is teaching us that as believers, we are the salt. We are the ones that seasoning the earth with the word of God. But not only that, in the very next verse, in verse number 14, the word says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I, every time I read this scripture, I think about a little place on the Galilee where I've been many, many times, and we stay in a, in a small Israeli kibbutz, and I'm, I can just see it now stepping out on the shoreline and looking to my left, and I see this little city called Safed. 
And that's where the Lord Jesus was in reference to when he said a city set on a hill cannot be hid. But he likens us to two things, and that is salt and light. And so the presence of the church right now on this earth, think about it. Even though the world is full of chaos right now and turmoil, it's corrupt. It's more corrupt than any of us have ever lived to see. We, we, we see unimaginable things happening every day. And I do believe that this world by large is demon-possessed, controlled by the prince and the power of the air. Sometimes I wonder what horrific things we're going to see and come across and experience day by day. I pray for you all every single morning. I ask God to put a hedge of protection around you, our church, our church families. I, I pray, Lord, bless, bless our folks at Buford Road and bless my staff and bless my faculty and our members and our new members and our visitors and our school and our students, our, our new students coming in. And I, and I go through this thing every morning and I pray for God's protective hedge about you. I never know from one day to the next when the phone call comes in and say, pray for so-and-so. She's taking a fall. Pray for brother so-and-so. He was in a car accident. I'm praying every day that God puts a hedge of protection about you. Even with those kind of prayers and us praying for one another, we cannot escape the natural things that are going to take place in this earth from time to time. As I preached just recently, God never does anything without a purpose. He, and I think that anything that happens to a believer has to pass first through the hands of the Almighty. But I will tell you, this world is getting so full of, of demon possession and chaotic happenings. This is what I want you to think about. With, with the church, the bride of Christ, those who have been blood-bought, the redeemed, that's on this earth right now, there are multitudes of millions, billions perhaps. And I do think that the church, the redeemed, the believer, has a great deal of effect on holding back some of the evil and the chaos that's happening on this earth right now. And I think even holding back some of the horrific judgments of God that are going to take place on this earth. Because here's the point. When the rapture takes place and God removes the salt and he removes the light, think about the vacuum of corruption and darkness that's going to engulf this entire earth. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse number 2, the prophet writes it like this, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. So 
it's a threefold thing that I want you to think about. When the rapture takes place, not only will the salt and the light be taken out of this world, also the Holy Spirit will be taken out. And this is significant because the church, the believer, is the home of the Holy Spirit. So when the home of the Spirit is taken out, the Spirit himself will be taken out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16, Paul writes it like this, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So when the trumpet sounds, the rapture takes place, the salt, the light, and the Holy Spirit are going to be vacuumed out of this earth. The church will be called away to meet Jesus in the air and will be presented by Christ himself in glory. Now look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 27. You don't have time to turn tonight, but let's read it on the screen. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And another scripture real quickly here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Look, this is what I want you to see pertaining to the salt, the light, and the Holy Spirit. Only he who now letteth the Holy Spirit will let until he be taken out of the way. So again, when the rapture takes place, the salt, the light, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out of the earth. So the earth will be a hell on earth after the rapture takes place. Now, if you go back to Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 9, I want you to notice the latter part of this. And I'll have to stop here with this tonight, it appears. But, but look at this. Well, let me read the whole verse, and then we'll get to the bottom of it. And when it opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. And look at this, and for the testimony which they held. Now, I, I, I want you to underline the word testimony if you are accustomed to writing in your Bible. The testimony that this passage of Scripture is in reference to is not like the one you and I share right now in this dispensation of grace. By the way, every person in here has a testimony. I love it when I get to hear yours sometimes. And I like to be refreshed in that. As, as, as time goes down the road, I like to hear from time to time how you came to know the Lord. And I think that's that's good for one another here in the church. We need to know how, what, where, when, what were the circumstances we heard the doctrine of grace. We heard that Jesus loved us, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the grave. Where were we? Who told us? Were we, were we in vacation Bible school? Were we in a summer camp? Were we in church sitting around a coffee table? Somebody knocked on our door. How did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? Sometimes we have testimonial services where you can stand and as briefly as we can. I, I Sometimes, you know, if we just give two people enough 
rope, they'll take the whole time, and we don't have the whole time, so we got to condense it. Uh, but it would be nice. I, I would be. Lo- I would love to hear how you came to know the Lord. What were the circumstances in your life, and so forth. But listen, that's your testimony under this dispensation, the dispensation of grace. When you read this part here, the latter part in verse number nine, it, we're, this we're no longer in the dispensation of grace. In fact, the church is in heaven, but the but the earth, the position of the world is no longer under grace. And so when you read that, we're slain for the word of God and for the testimony for which they held. The testimony for these tribulation saints, that's what this is in reference to. Because all of this, the tribulation is in, in motion, significantly in motion at this point. And the, and the testimony for these tribulation saints is going to be the proclamation or, or their, their declaration their testimony is going to be about the coming kingdom that's going to take place after these seven years when the Lord Jesus sets his earthly kingdom up and he will rule and reign from the throne of David for 1,000 years. This, this is what they're going to be testifying about. And that testimony, because these tribulation saints are testifying not under grace. Grace ended at the rapture. But these tribulation people that are saved in the tribulation, their testimony now is about the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as he comes to the earth and sets his earthly kingdom up. Now think about this. Think about the horrific persecution that these tribulation saints are going to experience by heralding this wonderful news about Jesus coming to this earth, bringing judgment with him and setting up his earthly kingdom. It will totally enrage the fury of the Antichrist and everyone that has denounced the name of Jesus. So it's going to turn into a hell on this earth. In Matthew chapter 24, and I want to close with verse number 14 tonight. And the scripture says this, Matthew chapter 24, and in verse number 14. Maybe we've lost power back there, I don't know. All right, there you go. And this gospel of the kingdom, look at this, this is what I'm telling you. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So these these people that are going to believe in the tribulation and testify, they're going to prophesy, testify, declare the millennial reign of Jesus, and there will be nothing left to spare them. They are going to be slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. I will tell you, it's nothing like testifying under grace. I'm glad I'm not going to have to be testifying under this. Amen. Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, 
visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.